Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin podcast. Episode 173, I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Dimitric. Host number three, Corey. And once again, we got Daniel, D-Rex. What's up, guys? D-Rex. Damn, happy. Daniel. Thank you, and, Back at it again. In all, in all truth, this is a recording immediately after the previous recording because it's the holidays and we're pumping what? out episodes. Oh, why would you do that? Oh. <laughs> yep. I'm going to give it up. Give it up. No, he joined us last week. He went and did a lot of things in his everyday life, and he came back a couple of days later. That's right. Here I am. That's how that actually happened. I'm, I, I'm tempted to edit that out, Corey. Nope. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it 16 times this episode. You're gonna have to give me- <laughs> make it so hard to edit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Shit. Anyways, uh, welcome back, Daniel. Let's Thank go ahead and pay the bills right up top. You guys can hit the skip if you want to, or don't, and buy the shit. Totally edit that out, because yeah. they are a great sponsor. We're keeping we it real. We're keeping it real this episode. That's the theme. And we're, we're going to Okay. All right. Uh, special midweek episode that we care about. I do. Uh, <laughs> the escrow, the decentralized escrow platform. In fact, it is the world's first in a world platform for secure crowdfunding and the inbuilt mechanism of the decentralized escrow. What that means, let me break it down for you. It gives investors an opportunity to control the expenditure of the invested funds once the ICO is over. So they're making ICOs safer for all participants. The the mission of the project is to make ICOs less risky. Uh. You know, it's a less risky way of investing, and it eliminates the excessive distrust of the potential backers to the new startups. What this does is it gives a boost to the further ICO market growth. So it's good for everybody. Uh, to add some validity to what I'm saying, the pre-sale raised over $150,000, and you have mm, you got about a week to participate in the ICO. So head on over to that website, find out more, uh, dscrow.com. Hit him with a jingle, Corey. Dscrow.com. That's there a Terry is. Michaels. That's your Terry Michaels voice. I like that. that is yeah, Terry, Michael. Terry, Terry Michaels. I forgot Michael about special. Terry Michaels. <laughs> That's a Terry Michaels special right there. Um, <laughs> all right. So what's on the what's on the docket? Yeah, so I we think, were actually – go ahead, Daniel. About what? Oh, I thought you were about to say something. Yeah, we were talking about um, Bcash for a while off, off, the, oh, off the record. Yeah. We decided to to stop talking about it and bring it a part of the episode because it was a good conversation. It started out as um, Bcash is garbage, even though even and they, I know that they hate people saying that Bcash is garbage. 
Daniel, you want to yeah. tell us your opinions on all things Bitcoin Cash? Well, I know that the people associated with Bitcoin Cash are uh, maybe some weasels, if you will. That's the nice way to put it. I like the way uh, you said that. I know that there may be some weasels. <laughs> yes, I know that there might be some weasels associated with, with the project. Um, it's, it's sad to me because when I listened to, when I, when I first got into the space, it was about audiobooks and podcasts and all these things. And every single audiobook that you have originating with Bitcoin starts with, you know, Roger Ver, Bitcoin Jesus, if you will, this philanthropic dude who loves people and gives Bitcoin away, you know, left and right to everybody he knows. And it's just sad to me because he, he takes this project that he once loved and he bashes it to the ground, and beats it with a baseball bat like office space and a printer and just destroys um, pretty much his entire beginnings and then jumps on board with a bunch of just nefarious individuals, um, throws all of their finances together, pumps and dumps, pumps and dumps, nonstop with Korea. Um, and it's just sad to me what what happened with Bitcoin Cash versus what could have been with him in Bitcoin. So um, I don't know. Bitcoin Cash to me just seems more of a uh, of a scam than than anything else. And Bitcoin seems to be sort of resilient regardless of what goes on. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm gonna have to fight you a little bit on this. It's it's, okay. it's like I have. So I'm not terribly convinced at the origin story of bitcoin cash now i i do feel that roger ver what bitcoin became bitcoin kind of became hard to use and the development process of what how the technology was changing was not in line with the ideology that roger ver has always had which is quite anarchic like he yeah. he's very crypto anarchy and the and the way the development process of Bitcoin happened doesn't seem to fall in line with one, the usability that he'd like to have, and anonymity he'd like to have, and maybe enterprise getting into things or whatever. Like so, like his vision of what the technology should be moved away from something in Bitcoin, and so he decided to fork it to do something else. And in that, he has pushed it wholeheartedly to do so. And there, it, that may have been a complete money play because he had he had so much stake in all these things. I don't know. I can't say. Uh, it's 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 hard it's hard to see. But at least it's back to being more usable. At least kind of because it doesn't have the load that Bitcoin has. So I'm curious to see if he does it again. If Bitcoin Cash gains the the the, the load of becoming unusable again. It's just, but I see it as a different scaling solution potential and a test bed for trying different things. And what I was saying earlier, like there's been a lot of seemingly sketchy origin stories of cryptocurrencies that right. have become legitimate over time and overcome their, their seediness based on people using them and building on top of it. And like, I think Monero is a very good example of that. Yeah. So it could become so. that, despite me not being very sure about all of the ways in which it got started, whether or not that's just this huge scammy money play that it seemed when it happened. And I, I've kind of always said that if it is usable and provides utility to people, I don't really care if other people make money from it. If it if it enables people to do things they couldn't do before, 
who cares if the people that made it happen make a ton of money from it? Sure. I think that, um, I think that, uh, I think Bitcoin has a pride issue. I, I mean, a lot, we ignore the human aspect of this stuff sometimes, or we did in the beginning. Now it's unignorable. But the, the very human aspect with Bitcoin is, is a pride issue. And Bitcoin Cash, that community has a pride issue right now where it's like, yeah, you're right. There's lots of things Bitcoin isn't, and there's lots of things that it's becoming. But the better route is to put your pride aside and contribute to the, the, the bigger project. And when it comes time, if you're really, really right, there's always going to be a time to express that. But sometimes you put your pride aside to work on something bigger. And then when it comes to that point where it's like, hey, the thing that you were fussing on and on about, you obviously know a lot about it. You obviously are passionate about it. Now's the time to shine. And that huge rift in the community is also preventing a lot of things, I think. I think there's a lot of really smart people for my boss who – surprise surprise now owns bitcoin like i said he would because i'm a motherfucking g and i can on-ramp anyone but (laughs) (laughs) but um he is a really really intelligent person he's aerospace engineering degree fucking super smart and he's like you guys ramble on and on about consensus but there's this huge huge non-consensus right in front of everyone's face with this bitcoin cash bitcoin thing and you're not going to be able to achieve the things you say you want with that huge non-consensus. And so, I don't know, Roger Ver, if you're not listening or somebody you know is listening to this right now and look, man, put your fucking pride aside and think about all that all that stuff that you spewed, Mr. Jesus, for so long, uh, that's still in play. And you should probably put your pride aside and, I don't know, maybe think about unifying instead of being a complete uh, douche nugget. And I like, uh, if you got upset – I like the fact me. that – I like the fact that they're doing something completely different and pushing a different development route. I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I think that maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. This, it's it's, it's like – I don't know. Nothing. It's kind of like co-opetition. <laughs> it's like it's, – it's healthy to have com- competition. He had a different – like vision of what the technology should be doing and he couldn't like the people all the people the quote-unquote big blockers the entire r slash btc subreddit and anyone involved with bitcoin cash who really wants to be a part of that felt like the development should be on chain and we don't have precedence on whether or not that's the correct way to do it and it wasn't going to get done in, in bitcoin proper so they forked it and now they get to do it. We get to have, we get to see that example in the wild and it gets to be tested by everyone who doesn't want it to exist by spamming it and trying to make it go away. And if it stays and stands the test of time, then good. Otherwise that never would have happened. And we have two different routes of possibly expanding the technology and people focused on doing their own thing that they think should be done. Do you think lightning takes care of all of these problems or do you no. think it's just, it's just sort of this fake Oh, it's not fake, but it doesn't take care of all the problems. It takes care of a subset of the problems. Like yeah. it's 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 one add-on that enables scaling in one direction. But scale is a very general term. 
There's a lot of different ways in which you have to scale in order to provide a global usable network by all people for all things. Lighting so network what it, solves what some of them. What does it do? I mean, what does it need to do to, to scale appropriately? Because <laughs> I feel like they're, they're making these second layer, third layer kind of, you know, you know, fixes to the protocol. I think Lightning Network is the future of it. I don't yeah. know. I have a, I have a slight it's disagreement a with Corey's statement. slice of the future. It's, it's going to be used. Scalability is, is, is greater due to the use of off-chain transactions being developed. So multi-layered off-chain transactions like Lightning Network are going to be the future, not all on the chain. You're right, but it's only one type of off-chain transaction. It doesn't encompass all of the possible ways in which you can transact off-chain. It's a one-to-one. It's 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 a one-to-one payment channel, which you can then hop through other people, and you still require two online two online transactions. So you've scaled the communication between two people, possibly more if you do hops, of multiple transactions into two. Awesome, but there's no real logic. There's no scripting associated with these transactions. There's a lot of things you can't do in a single payment channel. So it, it can only possibly encompass a section of the behavior of all the things you can do on chain. So you only scale in some part of all of the transactions that are currently on the chain, which means it doesn't do all of the things we'd like to do or potentially can do. So there'll be other tra- other types of things. So like plasma on Ethereum is another way of scaling certain types of things. And so, there's a lot of things that still need to happen. Lightning is one of those things, and it's going to enable a lot of new applications, but not all of the possible applications. Do you think, Corey? Do you, Corey, do you think that we're reaching the crux where, um, where demand is going to start forcing this the scaling issues to 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 you know put up or shut up? I, hope I so. mean, like the internet. Like we 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 always go back to what we know. We always go back to the internet, and um, you know the internets were powerful. We just we had that conversation with Breathy last week, um, not yesterday, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, we said that internets were powerful for companies, but they didn't tap into the real internet until the internet was like, Hey, there's a lot of stuff. All these people need to do. We need to come up with some standards. We need to come up with a way to start scaling this out. Do you think that we're, we've reached that crossroads as, uh, the honorable bone thugs and harmony would say, man, I was just uh, thinking that. Yeah, I know. Right. You can't say that without thinking that. Did you, did you sing that part too? I went straight to the chorus. I'm bad. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that should be the outro of this episode. Anyways, um, what's up, Daniel? Do it. I want the outro. You do that. Make that the outro. Um, uh, we're actively trying not to get sued these days. So, all right. Um, but you know, have we meet? Have we? Are we meeting that crossroad where it's like, okay. Like now's the time to standardize. Now's the time to figure out how we're going to scale. Boom. I certainly hope so. I mean, the, the, the price demand makes people want to do, try and do stuff and they basically try and do it and then they can't do it. And so you're always going to have, I mean, Andreas talks about this all the time and he calls it like scaling gracefully and the right. way the internet grew and grew and grew slowly. But like mm-hmm. when it started out, you couldn't do all the things you can do now because it didn't scale. 
it always it's it's always never going to scale to what people want to use it for because the moment you open up the ability to do one application you then try to do more complex applications that then push the limit of what it's capable of doing and so you slowly enable new use cases and abilities based on the demand and so like oh i and that's and that what does that require though it requires people trying to build things that push the limit of what it's capable of doing because if you'd never like try something and it fails you don't know what you need to be fixing right mm. you need to you need to try to build something it has to fail and you say all right well it failed in this way what can we do to make it not fail in that way anymore what needs to happen for us to be able to make this application work and then you know mm-hmm the types of problems you need to solve, and then you can come up with solutions on how to solve them. If you never push or stress a system, you never really know what needs to be done to fix it. Mm -hmm. And that's how things gracefully fail to scale. And And I hope that the money influx shows us what the pain points are, where things are failing, so we can see what needs to be prioritized and how to fix it because we're definitely failing at this point in terms of scale. Yeah. yeah. Ain't no, ain't no doubt about it. Daniel, would you use a lightning network? Would you use, would you put your stuff in a lightning transaction? You know, I'd put about a fifth of my assets into a lightning network. I mean, just to test it out. Uh, but if you had to say, Hey, you got to put all of your assets into this network that may or may not blow up in your face. Probably not until it's proven. Very smart. Yep. Um, I'm going to go all in as a guinea pig. (laughs) No, I I feel like there is some very, very serious hope coming up to the scaling issues. But in terms of, you know, absolute, hey, what are you doing with your Bitcoin? I'm still holding. I mean, I'm holding it. Just waiting waiting and watching and, and hoping for, you know, we've talked about trillions last episodes to whatever the next lover, next layer up of trillion is. So, quadrillion, and That's then far. Past, and then times that by five. <laughs> well, from from a non-monetary standpoint, I hope that we can. I hope that scaling becomes less of a date between Ver and uh, the Legion of Doom, and seems like everyone else, and and more of a, a collective. Uh, hey, let's use this and try and make it a standard for a while and see how good it gets. Just like Corey said, like yeah. let's use this and ma- let's make it a standard. And when we find out something is broken, we're gonna say, "All right, this is now standard version point two. Let's try it again. All right, this is standard version point three. Let's try it again." Um, and hopefully, we don't really break anything during that process. <laughs> um, I'd but- like to ask Corey a question. If that's cool. So, uh, uh, Corey, uh, the last couple episodes uh, of the podcast, um, there was some, you know, hesitation with Bitcoin um, as it goes up in price. There will be some kind of pullback or some kind of, you know, catastrophic event. Do you still feel like there will be some sort of uh, burst, or do you feel like that as more people um, get into it, it creates more of a stability factor? I'm still holding on the fact that like it's the prices in all of these coins, every single one of them 
is propped up by pure speculation. And yeah, there's a certain behavior associated with how price moves when everything's propped up by speculation. Like if you if you if price is propped up by utility, like underlying applications using the currency because they have to in order to do those things, and you have a really easy way of understanding like the lower bound of what the price can be because you have to use those applications. But with speculation, there's no way to know. So the difference between what the price would be if it was only utility and the difference between what it is now is pure speculation, which can be heavily manipulated based on Mm -hmm. emotion and fear and hype and FOMO and all these things. So that means that it's, it has a much higher propensity to drop like a rock. If you have this giant gap between utility and speculation. And so like, there's a lot of money that needs to get in that wants to get in, which can price, which can jump the price up really rapidly. But right. That same speed of rapidity in which you go up can come straight back down. So I I don't know what the price is going to do because you can't really gauge people's emotions really well. Yeah. And I see it going up and I'm hoping that that upward trend in price makes people build things that makes them use it. Because right now people are buying it and holding it, just like you said, waiting for something to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder... If anybody ever uses a term called like speculation density or the density of speculation, because right now, yes, there's a lot of people who are holding, anticipating a future price of whatever, but there's also a horde of people that are just foaming at the mouth at that correction. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just, just can't wait. They're just like, oh my God, as soon as that thing drops a couple G's, I'm in there like swimwear. Like, there's a horde of people like that right now. I saw a couple of tweets or, or, or I don't know where I saw it, but someone was saying there's like a traditional finance trader talking about the current futures that have been enabled um, on Bitcoin it, is that there's no proper way to short cryptocurrencies. Were you talking about the guy who's talking about Koshi series? Maybe. The random ass. Were you looking at that guy too? I, I, I retweeted like, some of the shit. There's, there's, there's no good way to short this. And so if everyone's longing and everyone's afraid to short, like what is that? What happens there? Like there seems to be some type of behavior that can get away from itself real quick. Turns right. And you can have a flash crash. Like, I don't know. Is that, is that, is that set the environment so that you've primed it perfectly for like a serious flash crash or a serious flash rise or like, where's the stability in all this? I don't see it. And so, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. That I, I think we were, we were following the same guy's tweets. I don't know his name. But he went deep into the math. He oh. he started talking about like Koshi series and I had a nightmare of undergrad. But <laughs> um I think that he 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 basically said like we're still at a point because the financial tools don't exist to where the range of price is one to $100,000 for Bitcoin. And I was like, Oh, well, so it's somewhere in there. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Hmm, well, thanks for nailing that down. Captain smart guy. But, um, it could be anywhere from negative a thousand to positive 7 million. 
Yes, that is the range we're working with here. Um, and it's no longer an asymmetrical trade uh, for a lot of people. So, uh, What does that mean? Say, Explain that. Well, when we got into this four or five years ago, it was, and it was such a stupidly asymmetrical positive bet. It was almost dumb to not put money in Bitcoin. I don't know, like, man. Okay, we got in it when like, the, a- the high price rise. It was at 1200 or something. A lot of people bought yeah. around that time, and then it went down to four or two or whatever yeah, it was at. At, at twelve hundred, I was staring at ten k. Like that's an obvious play. And wow. then when it got down to one hundred eighty-five, I was like, "Who is the dumb person not buying this right now?" Well, a lot of people lost been, a lot of money. A- <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Those people that are taking out mortgages. There's people taking out mortgages right now buying Bitcoin. When if that same thing happens again and we see the same type of relative drop, those people are dead. Like they, those people will die. Like they they pretty much die. ruin their lives if that happens. It would be boiler room all over again, where people are curled up in the fetus position on the floor, realizing that their wives are about to leave them. Yeah. You know oh, yeah. what? They can contact me because I watched my worth of crypto drop eighty percent in a span of. 18 months and i was still and 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 the only thing that helped me cope with all that was researching the tech and understanding where it was headed and what it was trying to do so if that does happen where this shit drops 50 percent, the bottom drops out contact me and i'll get you through the rough years uh for a price no no this, this will be <laughs> at, <laughs> this will price. be out of the kindness of my heart yeah, so, um, Dimitri, you did give me some great advice, though. I mean, what, uh, Marcello, hope your Funfair token is going well. I've listened to the podcast where you went and you were a day trader and all that good stuff. I hope that's pan out for you. But um, oh, well. it, it takes a lot of guts to hold. It takes a lot of guts. When you see it drop, half your, half your investment goes down. Um, it takes guts not to panic sell. At that point, because you have to know that it's going to pick back up and then it's going to pick back up and it's going to pick back up. And um, from dollar cost averaging, you're not risking more than you're willing to to lose. So you can hold. And then from holding, it takes serious guts to hold and keep and just know that eventually it's going to go back up. So um, if if I hadn't listened to you guys, I would have probably sold many times at loss. And so I, I hope that this can be encouragement to other people out there to, if you buy it, know that eventually there will be a use for it and um, to not give up. Yeah. The, the, do you mind the, if I uh, interject real quick, I'm going to cut you off actually. No kidding. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the whole, the whole mentality of hold H O D L is, is to stop thinking in day to day. Uh, right. which is is the panic sell mentality and then just just carve out a long game for yourself i, I think me and daniel kind of agree on the 2020 timeline so i i don't really care about the day-to-day you know because uh, i i have uh some confidence about what's going to happen in the space and the price will reflect that and uh, a lot of people even at my day job sold this week because they thought well bitcoin has evened out at seventeen thousand, and it's not going to go up any higher and um, I think it's a—it's not a mistake to sell, but I think you're going to be better off if you get into this crypto 
space and play the long game. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's get back to the asymmetrical bet thing, Corey, to, to piggyback off what you just said for people like your coworkers that are panicking and selling and, you know, going to get their brand new Volkswagen Beetles or whatever they're into. Um, you're, we're trying to fit trillions of dollars of value into 21 million units. Okay, so that's an easy math problem right there. Figure that one out. And then at the point where the demand is necessary, we go into decimal points of those 21 million units, which gives it even more value. So that's the asymmetrical bet that you're making. You're also assuming that you can spend a portion of a Bitcoin for an efficient amount of money. We're going to hand wave over what Corey just said, and we're going to say (laughs) – we're going to say – Those decimal points don't mean shit if you can't spend decimal points. Yeah. I'm doing a Jedi thing, and it's very apropos to the time. I'm doing a Jedi – don't listen to what Corey just said. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, That's a real problem that I hope gets fixed. But that's the bet that you make. If you're a Vegas person, trillions of trillions divided by millions. That's all you gotta do. Just take one trillion divided by one million, and that'll give you a safe understanding. Um, that's easy to do. Yeah, I also, sold my first Bitcoin this week. Like I literally sold my first Bitcoin to pay off a loan, and I don't regret it. I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think um, that was this. Yeah, my first time that I actually sold Bitcoin this week um, to pay off a loan, and. I think that is sort of the utility. You pay off your loan and you live a little bit better because of it. You don't have to worry about that monthly payment. And sure, Bitcoin could go from whatever it is now to 25K to 30K. And yes, my loan could have been better easily paid later on. But I think when you're talking about like peace of mind at night, like what keeps you up at night, um, being able to, to take care of those little things that that bother you is better than the the lottery ticket of Bitcoin going from 10 K to hundred K or 200 K or 300 K or whatever the, whatever the projections of McAfee dude, McAfee is on about his, his alt game. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but yeah, he's he, going all yeah, in McAfee coin. Anytime he pumps up an altcoin, that altcoin doubles like overnight. So he probably knows that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah McAfee he, doesn't strike me as someone that, uh, I don't know. He's, he's going to eat his dick. There. Yeah, like any, if anybody that says, I, I'm going to, I'll eat my own dick. It's like, okay, I'll pay attention to one out of every 5,000 things you say. <laughs> one uh, out of every well, you got to ask yourself how much, once again, what does he stand to gain by saying these things? Shit, um, mining. One penis. No, that's true. Yeah. Or like, you he, say, what'd you say, Daniel? One penis. Uh, he owned, yeah. He he stands to gain a penis. Why uh, not? <laughs> yeah. If he's wrong, he gets to keep his dick. So, um, well, he's seventy-two. Right. I mean, how how good is that at this point? That man's seventy-two years old. Dude, did you not leave? Did you not read his last Twitter post? It was outrageous. He basically went to the, like the most self-deprecating post of all time. It was I, I loved it, but I mean, it was just <laughs> his wife is crazy too. Yeah, he's crazy. That guy lives in a wonderful uh, That guy's house is probably like Willy Wonka. Anyways, we should get to 
Were you about to cut to the interview, Cello? No, I, I just want to commend Daniel on the on the sound decision to pay off debt because I I have debt that I could eliminate right now, but I'm afraid. I uh, I I don't have peace of mind on my debt, but I'm afraid that like if I pay off my debt, like that debt will quadruple when the price of Bitcoin goes up. So like I'm wrestling with that right now. Do I pay off my debt, get peace of mind, or do I regret it when the price goes up? So I'm in that same boat. I wait for congratulations. That's what do you I, say, Dimitrik? What's up? What do you say between me and me and Mello? I just said um. I'm in that same boat with Cello. I have some school loan debt that I've wanted to take care of for a very long time. Um, the only thing keeping me from taking care of it is percentages and weighing the percentages. So like what's my average percentage on my loans compared to what was my percentage gain this year in crypto. And even with next year, say there is that catastrophic event of a 50% loss, I'll still be way, 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 way positive, right? So that's why I'm like, mm, I could, I could, I could hit a throttle point and still be good because of the percentages, comparing the percentages. There's a level of guarantees of the future you have to think about. Like what you said about paying off your loan, you're guaranteed that loan's paid off. You're not guaranteed anything in crypto. So yeah, you have to take that into account, and that that like knowledge that being able to sleep at night based on the things you know are guaranteed is is worthwhile and i think that's that's important and if you selling something to give yourself a lot of peace of mind is some is a choice you make and no one can fault you for that even if you didn't like even if the price jumps up there's no way you would have known that would have happened if we knew the price of what it was we would have we would have taken out loans back then people would have called us stupid we're but, all pretty certain that it's going to continue to climb. It's going to continue to get better. We just don't know how yeah. specifically. Yeah, we don't know what we don't know what it's called. Basically, <laughs> all solid points. I'm going to go do some soul searching with some peyote after this episode. You have to climb out of that box to make your box grow. <laughs> I, I like it. Use a little <laughs> bit of my own medicine on me. You had to climb out of your own box. Yep. Um, I wrote, a, to the I wrote a MySpace. I wrote a MySpace blog on that back in the day. If any of you listeners want to try and track that shit down, that doesn't. Um, exist oh well, it's gone then. No. Um. Pay yeah, MySpace is gone. Justin Timberlake tried, but that was a really dumb try. I think he's still so, trying. MySpace.com is still a website. Is it? it is. That's Holy shit! Holy shit! I used to write blogs on MySpace.com. They were out there too. I wasn't even high. Um, so <laughs> let's cut to the interview. Uh, we got uh, JJ and company from Block Edge Capital joining us. So here it is. Hey, everybody. We have another exciting interview for you today. Uh, today we're joined by JJ, our very own JJ, Jason Jenkins, uh, who runs Buy or Sell, What the Hell, um, CEO and founder of Blockedge Capital, and their senior blockchain developer, Noah. And we're here to kick it slash talk about your ICO project that's impending and some general things going on in the community. It should be it should be good times. So welcome back, JJ. 
Thanks, and buddy. welcome, Noah. Thank Always you. Always good to be here. So yeah, how are you guys? We're we're always good. We're always good. Um, are we gonna you're gonna talk about some of the Bitcoin podcast success that you that you mentioned a little earlier? Um, before you we'll let the numbers off. speak for themselves. Audience, go to our statistics page that <laughs> that is broken a little bit right now because I don't know. You go to the statistics page. It's working. We got it works. We've it had works. a good year. It works again. It works. Okay, cool. I just I don't like it. It needs to be revamped. Okay. Well, yeah, we've had some success this year. Thank you to you, JJ, for doing shows on our network and expanding our reach. And everybody who's chimed in, it's, we're coming up on the tail end of a really good year. So, um, but Noah, it's your first time on the show. Um, yeah. How about this? Like, what's your background professional personal background and then always we always like to know whenever we speak to somebody new is like what was going on in your everyday life and then crypto hit your radar and then your life changed after that oh yeah that's a good question okay so i'll start from who i am where i'm from uh i'm from canada i'm up north i'm currently looking out my window at uh, snow-covered rooftops in the city of toronto um so the snows is a little bit of a downside, but like we were talking about earlier, Toronto is a great place to be. It's a it's a hub for blockchain in general, uh, birthplace of Ethereum uh, between Toronto and Waterloo. Uh, there's a huge community here and a growing community. So uh, I really lucked out living here, uh, which wasn't the the reason that I got into crypto in the first place. My my background, I'm a researcher. I introduced myself as a researcher and developer. Uh, I started on the research side doing consulting, uh, research design, presentation, analysis, the whole deal, uh, and then got into software development because when you get into interesting models or doing anything new and novel, uh, you have to write your own code. It, there's no button to do it for you. You have to write your own software and your own buttons. Uh, that got me into uh, eventually uh, a research lab for Loyalty One, their Canada's largest um, loyalty provider. They, I'm not sure for the, the folks in the U.S., but there's a program called Air Miles. It's a loyalty rewards program. Uh, you buy things, you get Air Miles, and you can redeem them elsewhere. But if you think about it, loyalty programs, they are centralized digital currencies. Uh, incredibly successful, uh, making uh, money hand over fist uh, year over year, but there, there's a trust involved. Uh, seeing the blockchain uh, really the landscape develop and that tidal wave coming and hitting industry after industry. Uh, Loyalty One tasked their research lab with looking into blockchain. So I wasn't on the central team spending uh, all of my time on blockchain. So I was kind of uh, peeking in here and there, uh, working on some high level discussions, some planning and, and some research, uh, and then eventually fully got involved uh, developing Solidity work on top of the, uh, the Ethereum blockchain uh, branching out, doing some consulting work. And as soon as I had production Solidity code uh, running on the mainnet, uh, I was bit by the bug fully. Uh, from that point forward, I, I looked for full-time blockchain work and haven't looked back. So, uh, yeah, it brings me here today. Wow. What, uh, what Solidity work did you have running on, running on mainnet? So, given the... Uh, 
the past year we've been we've been uh, looking at with everyone raising money, it's primarily ICO focused. So helping people with their tokens uh, privately uh, and also helping them with their, their crowd sales. Every crowd sale has a different model that they're looking for. Um, so even if you have um, open source projects like uh, Open Zeppelin or Zeppelin Solidity with uh, best in class starting point, uh, you introduce KYC requirements, you introduce novel bonus structures, everybody needs a little customization there. Uh, so it's good money uh, helping people out, so to speak, as a freelancer. Uh, but it's it's not the most interesting work, it's a little repetitive. Uh, getting into some of the things that the rhythm guys are talking about, uh, that's incredibly interesting. Now you're getting into territory where you can leverage this platform for what it's been designed to do. And you can develop novel solutions that the market has not seen before. So that's that's gotten me very excited lately. I think that's a great so, a great like springboard. Real quick, uh, what do you feel this 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 space is designed to do, and why is rhythm what what is rhythm, and why is it why is it doing it? So, yeah, what is this space designed to do? It is <laughs> it's designed for a few things. I. I've had a lot of these conversations over the past few months. Uh, why blockchain or when when blockchain is appropriate? So ignoring just Ethereum, just speaking blockchain in general, if you need auditability, blockchain may be appropriate. Uh, it's the world's most expensive database. And if you need public auditability, sure, that's a good use case for it. Uh, if you need immutability, so you can't go back and rewrite history, uh, that's another very appropriate use case for blockchain. And if you need trustlessness, when you're working with parties you don't necessarily know and trust and you have no recourse uh, if they violate your trust, uh, maybe blockchain would, would be an appropriate solution. Uh, so in, in the case of the, the Rhythm team, there's two, two of those use cases. The public auditability uh, is definitely um, something the Rhythm team will be leveraging. And the trustlessness, if you're trading back and forth with a third party, being able to do so with um, blockchain-enforced trustless smart contracts is a, a great way to do it without uh, blindly throwing your money to some third party and closing your eyes, crossing your fingers, hoping they they give you back what they said they'll give you. Yeah. So, JJ, you were working on Rhythm, right? And so how, does, how did you meet Noah? Like, how did those roads cross? And and then firstly, how from in the wake of I know trading's probably been like consuming everything, considering all these swings that we've had. How do you say okay, like I still am gonna have time to to start a brand new project? Yeah, no, sure. Um, well, Noah and I, um, that was mostly um, my my other founding partner Alec and uh, and my other partner Redis is. They have, they've done a great job putting together our team. So they've called, just going through and trying to figure out who's the best in the, you know, when it comes to the blockchain space, who's who. And um, it's, it's you run across a lot of people that say, you know, even on the, the law side that, you know, they've been working, lawyers have been working on ICOs or different projects. And when you, when you really talk to them, maybe they've only done ICOs like for one year or two years. So they haven't really been around blockchain that long. So we were looking for developers. Noah is one of the first people that's really been around working on, you know, Ethereum blockchain and, and since the space got started. So 
Um, it's a big hub in Toronto. We first met when we came up there. Um, we were building out some of the marketing and um, shooting videos and, and, and doing things like that. So he and I had some fun shooting some of that and going back and forth. I mean, he's great at articulating the, the technology side, the development side. And then obviously, you know, uh, trading's my thing. So as far as putting it, the two together, I mean, the vision for Rhythm was, okay, you know, our, our trading model was always very directional. So we've been passionate about, you know, actually helping people make money instead of kind of like the old Wall Street way where every week the narrative changes. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, they just want to either sell advertising dollars or they want to keep you invested in the market. So, you know, I've I've traded through a couple of debt, you know, you know, down cycles when the, the business cycle rolls over and you'll never see the Schwabs of the world. You won't see Fidelity, you won't see Thinkorswim, you won't see these big asset managers telling you to to get out of the market. You know, I, I remember talking to guys when I actually started in the business of Schwab and, uh, you know, I would talk to doctors who maybe had two, three million bucks in Google and they would, they buy the highs. That was, that was before, um, 2008. And I, I just remember Google at the time was just trying to push up against like 800. It was like 750. But I remember people getting into that, that market and, Guys were just getting long, all kinds of amounts of Google. And 2007, we started to roll over and, and, you know, housing starts to roll over. And I mean, those stocks dropped 50, 70 percent in six months. And the whole way, the whole process of rolling over like that, it was always don't, don't offer advice. Don't don't talk to people about timing. Um, you know, just talk to them about diversification because they don't want people going to the sidelines. I mean, they want to. They want to keep, keep, you know, keep people invested. So anyway, seeing that and seeing a lot of people lose money and people not know how to trade a bear market, um, that's kind of always been something I wanted to bring to the independent trader is helping people learn how to trade, how to manage their risk, how to actually trade directionally. Um, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, everybody, everybody that makes money their first few weeks trading crypto because it's just... The, a massive bull, <laughs> massive bull market. They think they got this this trading thing figured out. Well, I'm telling you, when we start to see a, a real bear market in this space, which I probably don't, probably not going to get for at least two or three three more years, um, then you're going to see who can really trade. So anyway, we wanted to bring some of the new, what I call new Wall Street concepts, which is not talking about fundamentals and valuation, because at the end of the day, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't help you with the timing and it's the timing that matters most. So do you have a timing process? Do you have a trading model? You know, do you know how to work your position size? Um, and then we talk a lot about cyclical analysis, which is something else you'll never hear from old wall street. So once you start to understand price is one thing, but time is a whole nother thing. And so there's cyclical, cyclical components too. um, uh, this concept of time and it's, it's fractal in nature. So there's different cycles exist on the five minute chart as they do on the yearly level. And so we work a lot on the cycles, you know, with my Forex traders and obviously now with the crypto traders. So I, I wanted to blend, <clears throat> blend that whole financial services piece of really helping people trade. And then we, we always had a goal of starting a hedge fund and doing some of those things uh, on the sell side also. And then this idea of, you know what, we need to blend the, the technology side and actually utilize the blockchain 
space and everything that it allows you could you to do where you know this de- the de- decentralized concepts and getting away from this custodial model is again old wall street so you know nobody knew what trades were going on on the seventh floor of Madoff's company nobody ever went up there i mean you have no insight into what who's trading what are these trades really taking place well the blockchain kind of solves all some of those issues and even even with typical hedge funds i mean you get a you get a quarterly letter from your hedge fan hedge fund manager that's about it you really can't see you know are these guys do these guys have any long equities are we you know are they been long bonds or have they been short gold it's just kind of hard to tell from an investor standpoint what's really taking place so um relying like Noah was saying the trustlessness so relying on a third party <clears throat> you know that's kind of the old wall street model you have to send your money to a custodian or to a third party and you have to trust that they're going to be responsible with it well what we wanted to do use blockchain this idea is bring your own wallet where you know we don't want to <clears throat> we don't want to put out trade signals and then be holding everybody's neo or holding everybody's ethereum or litecoin so we wanted to use the technology where we we integrate our analysis and our trading model. You know, we help with the timing of the market. We can send a buy signal, and literally, you're going to get a message on your phone that says, "Hey, would you like to participate?" You swipe yes or no, and then through, you know, through the blockchain in the smart contracts, we actually send you your your coin right to your wallet. So at the end of the day, it's in line with this idea of, "Hey, I want to I want to be in charge of my own." uh capital my own coin my own my own investments and um the best way to do that right is just to keep it on your own your own private wallet noah do you want to touch on any more of that that's that was kind of a long-winded route i mean it's good yeah, though and you touched on bring your own wallet so <laughs> we can go right into that <laughs> cool. like, how does yeah. how does that work go ahead noah in the white paper, we talk about a, a short-term immediate solution and a long-term solution. But the, the long and the short of it is, uh, well, maybe a little backstory. If you think of the, the notorious hacks that have taken place across the Bitcoin blockchain ecosystem, uh, it's not Bitcoin that's getting hacked. It's not the blockchain that's getting hacked. It's people doing things on top of it or doing things programmatically with their private keys, having them compromised, and then their their funds are, are taken. So what we're doing is security best practices. The best way to uh, deal with a security vector, or an attack vector, is to remove it. Um, I love the example of a mobile device. If you want to secure data on your mobile device, the easiest way to do it is never store data on your mobile device. Problem solved. So we're taking that same approach with the bring your own wallet. Instead of us holding every individual customer or client's funds, managing their private keys, trying to do some programmatic work uh, and giving a machine access to those private keys, heaven forbid, uh, what we're doing is we're requiring users to maintain their own private keys. Um, the Ethereum blockchain allows users to interact with our smart contracts their own transactions or choose not to sign transactions uh, and that's really what we want to leverage so the short-term solution what we're dealing with is ERC 20 tokens we can easily wrap ether there's already uh, prior art there uh, from 0x in the broader community um, and in 
requiring users to bring their own wallet. Um, what it allows us to do is one of two things from a technology standpoint. We can leverage the ERC20 uh, approve and transfer from methods. Uh, I'm not sure if your, your viewers are, are aware of what those do from a technical standpoint, but uh, if I own an ERC20 compatible token, EOS, for example, if I own that and hold it in my wallet, I can approve uh, Jason and the Rhythm team to spend up to a certain amount. And that money never leaves my wallet until a trade actually takes place. And then Jason and the Rhythm team can execute a transfer from and transfer that EOS out and bring in whatever token I was trading it for. Um, there's still can, some trust there. If I can kind Go of ahead. maybe give you a slight analogy that may be more custom to how people use um, decentralized exchanges now. It's almost it, I, the way I see this currently is it's built into the protocol now what you would typically do if you have like a trading bot and you give it access to some API token on an, on an exchange like Poloniex. You give that bot the ability to trade but not withdraw. And and that can be done in a more decentralized fashion based on opcodes on Ethereum. Is that is that correct? It, largely correct. Yeah. It's a great analogy. Um, the one drawback of this particular approach is if you give Jason uh, or Jason's personal address permission to do something with those funds, uh, then he could do anything with those funds. Uh, the the uh, the upside is that it's only up to that certain amount and all of your other funds are safe. But we can take it a step further and not give Jason's personal address access. We can give a smart contract access. And then it's exactly what you're talking about. That smart contract can only do particular things. Now, going even further, uh, there's there's prior art, or sorry, it's not even prior art. Uh, it's the, the maturing ecosystem. Uh, on top of Ethereum, Zero X protocol allows us to do something incredibly interesting for a brokerage platform. Uh, leveraging the Zero Zero X platform, what Jason can do is Jason can offer a a sale. So Jason can purchase some ERC twenty tokens and offer one batch order only to the Rhythm network, and then everyone on the Rhythm network can pick away at that order, saying yes, I'd like to execute and uh, take advantage of that trade. Uh, but I'd only like to do it up to this this simple amount. Now, using that approach, now no trust is required. Uh, we're, we're using the Ethereum uh, ecosystem, uh, leveraging other people's protocols, and we're using the, the core platform uh, with our own smart contracts to do so in a, a completely transparent and trustless manner. Then maybe maybe I can take that extend that a bit further in that like so for instance I have like a, I have a portfolio in a smart contract somewhere where I have some type of coins and what I'm doing instead of um, delegating the decisions on how I move that money around to a bot that's based on some particular metric I'm actually delegating it to a person JJ would be the person in this instance where I can expose. I can delegate the decisions on how I move that money around to Jason. He says whenever he makes a decision, he basically sends out a ping to everybody and then everyone can say, yes, I'd like to participate in that particular decision. And so he makes trades for me or he makes trades and then broadcasts those trades out and I can automatically adopt that trading strategy if I choose to. 
Mm-hmm. You can. And what gets very exciting about that, I keep saying the word excited, but there's a, a number of really cool things they're doing here. Uh, one is, you, like you said, you can follow Jason's trades. And Jason is a, uh, a very well-experienced professional. Uh, it's not like me just randomly throwing some trades out there. Uh, he has a system and a history of uh, doing this properly. But if I still want to be a little picky and choosy, uh, I can watch Jason's trade notifications and also be selective. I can say, you know what, this particular one that came through today, I just don't like that token. I don't like the sound of it. There was something about it. I'm not going to follow this trade. And then the next trade that comes through, uh, I can say yes. So you do get the best of both worlds. You are in the driver's seat, uh, but you're also, you have a, really, uh, you have a, an extremely uh, well-trained professional navigating for you. Yep. Jason, one of the you other... can elaborate better than me on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just going to say another cool thing on the technology side is you can actually specify to what your risk is. So do you want to trade 5 Ether on the platform or 10 Ether? Um, Noah, did you want to that. touch on that also? Yeah. Oh, sorry, say that again? I was just, I was just saying another uh, cool piece of the technology side is that the user can decide how much risk they want to how much they want to take, right? They can authorize, all right, um, you guys can trade up to five Ether or 10 Ether. Did you want to, do you want to explain kind of how some of that technology works? So that's another cool yeah. thing that you can do that, that, that the blockchain, you know, seamlessly allows you to do, whereas traditional broker, you know, brokers trading, it's a disaster. You got to make a phone call. You got to send an email. You got to make sure the broker heard you, you know. Oh, I remember you telling me all about this too. It sounds like a nightmare. It's like the bucket brigade. Uh, Me as a client, I call Jason, tell him what I want to do. Jason calls some people who call other people and a series of events have to take place for a a trade to actually be executed. Um, So what we can do with the Rhythm platform is we can do two things. Like I was describing from a technical perspective, uh, broadly speaking, we can pre-authorize and require a little bit of trust. If you pre-authorize something, there's trust involved there. Or on a case-by-case basis, you can sign a transaction to do that and only that uh, and, and get a trustless exchange taking place. But in how you set each of those up, you can set, uh, like you said, uh, Jason, the number of Ether or the number of tokens you want to buy or sell. And in taking your trading inv- advice, I, I do follow your, your current um, educational program and, and look at the, the buy and sell signals. And when you say it's time to take some profit, uh, I'm in the driver's seat. I can decide how much profit I want to take, uh, whether it's a lot or a little. Uh, and it, nothing's being decided for me. Uh, although following a professional's advice, there are suggestions. So I can I can be guided but not required to, um, yeah, I don't have to follow your risk profile. I can buy a little bit and I can sell a little bit or I can buy a lot and I can sell a lot. And it's, it's all up to me uh, to decide on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Would you guys say that because you're using uh, the blockchain, you kind of it is it usurps the need for having to play telephone all day to make a trade? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there is a lot of uh, trading platforms out there. Obviously, we're going to be competing with them. I mean, Bloomberg just turned on. Finally, I mean, I, I think I even said on your guys's one of the last podcasts we did together that you know I had the sales guy from Bloomberg in our office and. They didn't have anything on the terminal. You could type in Bitcoin and there was any, really nothing showed up. So they finally this week added 
the Ripple price, Litecoin price, Ethereum price, and and Bitcoin. So I don't know what took them so long, but those trading platforms are okay. But it's the standard thing. I mean, even if you're using Coinigy, which which I use a lot, um, it's a standard charting service. You get you know you're you're paying for data to be able to see all the coin prices. But nobody really sticks their neck out there and actually wants to help people trade these trade these markets. So it's one thing to offer, you know, you can buy and sell here. You know, all the exchanges, it's, the market's still very disjointed. I mean, probably the average user in our on our crypto team is trading between six to seven different exchanges, and so we wanted to make that process simpler. But but offer more than just hey you can buy and sell crypto here and hey we have a charting service we want the rhythm platform to be about timing and getting the market right and helping people actually make money and then and most importantly managing the risk because first you got to not lose money and then you then you can worry about actually you know um, taking down some profits and, and building your equity curve um, so we wanted to help with the timing piece we'll have charting services we'll have a nice you know uh user interface both on the desktop and the mobile it's another thing that's lacking right now is other than coinbase i mean i don't have any real mobile solutions if i want to look at the price in neo and make a trade it just doesn't exist you always got to scramble back to your computer um so we're going to offer some of those services we're happy to compete with old Wall Street. They're all going to starting to get into the space and do the same things. But they're, again, they're not they're not really helping on the timing side. And then they're still using the old model. Call them. You put you got to put your money with that brokerage house. They're going to execute the trades. You know whether that's by phone or email or you click through on you know Thinkorswim's trading platform. That still that still goes to you know, a specialist, or it gets routed to the exchange, um, and the marketplace is disjointed. But the, if you really want to use the blockchain in your trading, you have to do something like we're talking about, where why do I need to go, you know, why do I have X amount of dollars sitting on Coinbase? And then when I want to make a trade, I got to send Litecoin to, you know, Bitrix because yeah, yeah because I can't trade half the coins I want to trade on Coinbase and then I'm just shuffling coin around and it doesn't need to – we can kind of take that middleman out where, okay, we want to get bullish on a particular coin. We can help there. We send the message. We communicate that and then you, know, you can participate, yes or no. Just make it real simple and then at the end of the day, get you your coin back in your own wallet, which is where it should be. Um, you do. Do yeah. you um? So I know. Is there going to be a token ICO associated with? I know that you guys. I think you're going back and forth, but yeah. If, so right now, um, we actually just finished our white paper, and anybody's welcome to view that. Obviously, it's out there now. It's if you go to www.rhythm.network. Um. That's our rhythm page. And so, yeah, we're doing the ICO to build the platform. We have some, mm -hmm. we have some pretty cool ideas on the uh, utility side of the token. So the rhythm token will be, you know, traded in the secondary market. And within, within our platform, as a rhythm customer, um, very similar to kind of, if, I don't know if you guys trade on Binance at all. 
Any of you guys trading through them? I have seen it, but I have, I don't trade on. Okay. I was planning on setting up an account today, actually. Yeah, they're pretty good, actually. They're pretty good. Our, our guys like them a lot. Um, but they but they offer um, like they offer their own token, and if you own their token, it gives you reduced commissions. So we're we're going to do something very similar to that, where if you have Rhythm token, um, you get discounted commission rates. Um, as far as liquidity, I mean, if we're trading a smaller coin and we have 5,000 users that will want to get involved on the long side, you know, we might not be able to buy up as much coin as we want to trade it. So if you're a rhythm holder, it'll give you priority as far as um, kind of, you know, first to the table to get to get filled. Um, we're also planning on having <clears throat> some uh, ICO funds through our uh, Blockage Capital. So another another cool thing about Rhythm is it's going to be a portal to our uh, investment management firm, our digital asset management firm called Blockage. And so the idea behind Blockage was there, there's a lot of the people that want to get involved with crypto and they're very, you know, they have a lot of um, expertise in the space. Maybe they're miners or they just understand the technology. They're on the developer side, et cetera. But then there's a lot of people that just say, hey, like my dad, he's like, I don't I don't understand Bitcoin. I don't I don't care to figure it out. I don't want to I don't want to set up a wallet. Can you guys just invest, you know, 30, 50 grand for me? How does how does that work? Well, as people come into the rhythm platform, we want to teach them about blockchain, help them get started, make it simple. But then also, if you want that passive approach, then you can invest in one of our uh, block edge funds. So we're going to have one that just is kind of like tracks the top 20 market coins it's kind of like an index fund um we're gonna have another altcoin fund which is obviously higher growth a little bit more risk um trading the smaller cap names you can just passively invest in that one and then we're gonna have an ico fund where we actually go out and invest in other icos and projects we like so as a rhythm holder you'll have access to like the venture ic ico fund um and then another thing we wanted to do also is um, this idea of what we call buyback and reward, where people that are, you know, our customers or people that are rhythm platform users, we wanted to allow them to benefit from the success of the platform. So every quarter we take 10% of our profits and actually buy back the rhythm token in the market. And then for our, our users that are um, our clients, we actually reward them with uh, with rhythm token, kind of similar to a rewards program, like Noah was talking about in the beginning of the show here. That's. Um, are you worried that um, I know that the SEC crack has been cracking down lately? Is there? They say that some things can start as utility and go to security. Um, this is strictly utility all the way. Um, it sounds like right. There's no chance of it ever becoming. Well, it's it's a gray area. That's a good that's a good point. So, for example, we were just up at that blockchain impact conference right in Toronto, and people, you know, I talked to the chief um, security officer, um, Michael at Shapeshift. For we had a couple of these conversations. Noah, Noah, and I both talked to him, and he was just saying, "Well, what what do you guys need a token for? You know, why why." Why do you have to have a token? And and it kind of comes down to is a lot of these projects are either uh, currency tokens, right? Like Bitcoin, 
Um, platform tokens, obviously like Ethereum, right, where you're building out and using the um, using gas and things on the platform, or you're a project token where you 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 are having a company that you're building or actually trying to you know have revenue and make a profit, and then your token is part of that process and um, community. And so, yeah, we're a platform token in that sense that you need to use it on our platform. You know, there's a lot of utility within the platform. But at the same time, we do want it to, you know, have that that token have more value um, as as the platform grows and as it has more success. So, the, one of the best ways to have your token have more value is you have to have some sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, some sort of stake in the actual profits or the revenue. So, part of the part of the the way to address that is we'll be getting actually set up. Um, as a broker dealer, we begin set up on the as a registered investment advisor, so that some of those issues go away. <clears throat> but it's a it's an important question. I mean, we have a lot of lawyer conversations around that. And speaking to I that end, so. we we had some talks at that conference in person as well. Uh, Jason and the the Blockedge team are no strangers to regulation. They are financial services professionals. Uh, they know. Uh, they know how to navigate uh, and they know how to be compliant and they know how to stay out of trouble. Uh, I think the, the first advisor that I heard them talking about was a compliance advisor. Uh, that was one of the first essential uh, additions to the team. So their regulatory is a huge concern and me from a technology side, uh, I have no explanation of how to navigate that properly. Uh, but luckily for me, uh, it's not my job, but Jason and the team, uh, have been talking about that and strategizing <laughs> from day one of how to how to do it right. Yeah, look, lucky for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, guess big, we'll, I get to play big. with the fun technology. I don't have to worry about the legal contracts and lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we it's a big topic. I mean, we they, they probably spent an hour at the um, the roundtable in Toronto talking about just that. Is you know. ICOs and you know why they've why so many entrepreneurs went that route and why they liked it and some of the challenges with it um, and then the regulatory stuff always comes up um, and so there was some pretty good debates around that I, I had a nice conversation with Sean who's the CEO of Salt and you know his one of his biggest things was you know the problem you're going to have with if, if, if you do an ICO and you get involved in the space is <laughs> it's just the amount of money you got to spend on lawyers. I mean, because they're they're obviously on the lending side. You know, this is a big thing for them. They're kind of the pioneers in trying to get this whole uh, securitized assets and being able to lend against them. And um, so, obviously, they're you know they have those conversations all the time, and they're spending a lot of money to try to get it right. But, <clears throat> but he was he was good. He spoke as well. Uh, he's a good guy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them or. We we've haven't been, yet. Um, we've been planning I've to get him on. Out to him. Yeah, yeah. We've reached out to him. We're trying trying to get him on. Um, so I guess I, would, I guess we'll wind it down. Just a couple more questions. Just like sure. in general, you know, 2017 has been an amazing year. But from where both of you guys are sitting, you JJ as someone who's a trader, um, professional, you know, 
the crypto economy going? And then, you know, what are you most excited about that's in development? Um, things maybe that you're looking to leverage or just projects that you can't wait to get a little bit more maturity. Yeah, that's good. That's what I always ask Noah too. No, you you can go first, partner. Okay, so I have thoughts on both of those actually. Uh, Jason tipped me off to this, so I, maybe I won't go too far in depth. But as this category matures, um, the higher level service offerings will start appearing. Uh, financial services, if you think of traditional markets, traditional financial services, it's a very mature industry and it's very easy to get help. Uh, it's not easy to get help in the digital asset category. Uh, Jason, you can elaborate much more than me, but on a technology note, what I'm extremely excited about are the higher level protocols being built on top of Ethereum. Uh, not just the protocols, it's all those discussions around scalability. Uh, would proof of stake be the the solution? Things like Truebit being built on top of Ethereum and doing off-chain verification until there's a disagreement, and then doing uh, using Ethereum as the the final say, the final arbiter. That sounds like an incredibly novel but effective solution to the scalability problem. Uh, we are looking into that as much as possible and keeping our our eye on it as it develops. There may be a use case for us. And the final piece for me, I don't know if 2018 is the, the year uh, or, if it, or if things are, are going to be slowly ramping up. But when we talk about trustless transfer of ERC-20 tokens, that's just ERC-20 tokens and that's just Ethereum. But there's been a lot of work put into atomic swaps. Uh, true, but again, uh, as a as a, a protocol to fuel atomic swaps, uh, is they're they're showing a number of use cases already. Uh, if that is something we can leverage in partnership with a company like that, uh, or as a client of a company like that, uh, or if we have to, well, we really don't want to develop this ourselves. Uh, so we're 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 really keeping our finger on the pulse as far as atomic swaps go. That's kind of a game changer for uh, multi multi-blockchain or multi-currency asset trading. Mm -hmm. Nice. Your turn to put on the fortune teller hat. <laughs> uh -huh. What do you see coming well, up in 2018? <laughs> well, I think it's, I think a couple of things happened this week that were kind of interesting. I was reflecting on them. I, you know, um, when we think about the psychology of trading, I mean, there's so many different things from a sentiment perspective that it feels like maybe we're getting closer to an intermediate term top. But people have been saying that since, you know, Bitcoin at 3000. And so all the talk of a bubble, this and that, I mean, it, it does make sense from a, a standpoint, like literally on my way from the airport, you know, I got the Uber guy grilling me about how do I buy Bitcoin? You know, you know, what is it? You know, can I just, do I just have to buy one? You know, there's so many, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when you start to hear that as a, as a trader, you start to kind of go think the other way. Like this is getting a little bit, um, you know, maybe overdone. But here's the thing, like with Bitcoin, it's not about, it's just one product or, you know, like uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Their stock went on a run for a while. And, and it's at the end of the day, it's just donuts. Or I can remember when Kate, the, <laughs> Taser gun, same thing. That taser chart in like 2004, 2005 was just on fire. But it's just the taser gun. So this this Bitcoin, it's not just just one thing. It's an entire, you know, it's the internet of money. It's technology. It's currency. You know, the other thing to think about too is 
when everybody gets long real estate, or at least in the U.S. in 2007, once you have a majority of the market that's already long, that's when the market can roll over because there's no new buyers. People are already sitting on houses, they're already long them. So there's nobody really left to come, come in and step up and be buyers. So that you don't have that with Bitcoin. I mean, it's not like once everybody owns Bitcoin, it's just that's that's it. I mean, people are it's being used as a currency or, you know, people are transacting it. So it's constantly turning over. It's much, much different than just a stock. It's much different than, you know, uh, any, any one type of investment. It's so people kind of understand that. And, you know, like Jeffrey Gunlock was on CNBC this week and a lot of people know him. He's gotten a lot of headlines. His company is double line, <clears throat> double line. They call him the bond King. We used to trade with him from our, when I ran the rates desk and our shop traded with their firm. Uh, he's a good trader. He's a big global macro guy. He, he obviously understands, you know, uh, um, a lot of different markets and he's, he's, he does have a good track record. He's a good trader, but he, you know, he, they asked him, do you think this crypto thing is legitimate? And he said, no, he said, I don't think it's legit. And you take a guy like that, very smart individual, good trader. And his job is not to miss these trends. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like your job is is not to miss these trends. That's been the best performing asset on the planet for the last several years. So I, I, it still amazes me that there's this shift of this institutional adoption, but yet so many people are still skeptical, which makes me think we can still go a lot higher. Um, you know, the crypto kitty stuff that that makes it seem like it's toppy, but at the same time, <laughs> how can you have these big big shops that are running billions of dollars and they still don't, they haven't traded in it. You know, Bloomberg just is putting it on their terminal. So there's still a whole wave of institutional money that's coming. And that's, that's evident too with this, you know, the uh, uh, CME futures that are coming online, obviously, you know, uh, uh, the CBOE already has it out, but that's just another thing. Just futures just started trading in it. So, and NASDAQ next year. Yeah. Fair, okay. Then, it's just going to keep, I mean, I, I'd like to, I would great, it'd be great to have Litecoin futures. So, you know, I wonder, we'll see what's next as far as that goes. Um, but I think, I think, you know, we're coming up on 20,000. It's not a, not a bad place to take some profit, but you want to trade around your core position. I mean, Jeff was saying that, you know, you've, he turned negative on a NASDAQ uh, in like 2000. Well, it ran another 80% before before the market rolled over. So he was saying you could be short right now and you'll make money. I'm not so sure that's the case. I mean, at some point, yeah, you're going to have a 50%, another big 80% correction. Um, but that's why you got to have a trading process and a timing process. So we try to help people with that. But yeah, we're really still are. bullish. We're still I'm bullish, really I think. Looking forward to kind What's of, that? I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing the rhythm come out and then helping people explain like, – it, 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 so more yeah. often than not, people get in the space and they say, "I'm into crypto" or "I'm trading crypto," and I was like, "Well, what's your exit strategy?" And like, what? What, do you, what did you say? Like, well, <laughs> like how do you? How, when do you get out? What's your What's your metric for too much loss or too much gain? Yeah. When do you? When like you know they don't have any type of plan for what they're doing, and more often than not, that's that's the case for how most people yeah. quote unquote invest in the space. That's yep. why I think hold has become the standard metric for how you do things because no one knows what to do. Mm -hmm. no and, that's true and 
I think your wisdom speaks for itself, JJ, when you said something earlier in this interview, when you said, you know, people don't know the right steps. It's not how much money can I make? It's, it's like, how, how much money am I not losing? Right. And uh, that, that wisdom speaks for itself right there. Um, and, and I hope you guys listening soak that in. So, um, not, or am I true. losing any money? So, well, Noah, we're going to hit you with our, our, our hopefully famous one day question. And that is in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? 10 words or less. Blockchain is a tidal wave that is going to hit every single industry. Nice. Wow. That's been on the dot. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You guys can count that fast? Oh, I was going to have to write it down. You've been no, doing it for a while. I always like, do I count the articles or not? Is a, I don't know, quotations. I always you know, start. Like, I always start <laughs> after is like whatever. It's like Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum is. And then I'll start counting from there. And you start. That's my, okay. that's my standard metric for doing so in be, it. In between eight and 10, that's where we're at. But it's still a victory. So. I think I can do it. I think I can do it in the, under five. Here's what it's at. The internet protocol of money. I like, I think the first time you did it, you said something really short and then you like said like seven monies after that. <laughs> money, money, <laughs> money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, Thank you guys for stopping by. It's always fun talking with you, JJ, just because mm-hmm. it's it's just like your demeanor is so lax about trading something that's so not lax. <laughs> so it's just like a breath of It just comes from getting run over so many times in the treasury world. So I got plenty of re- got plenty of tire tracks. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. All right. Well. Looking forward to uh, Rhythm and when it drops, and I hope our listeners are too after hearing this. And um, yeah, have a good weekend. All right, guys. Thanks. It's always fun being on with you. I'd love oh, yeah. to hear the network doing as well as it is. So no, keep good up part, the good work. Good part, thanks to you. Yeah, you're good a part of that. You guys. Yeah, nice to meet you, Noah. It's a good time.